The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory, Glory to you, O Lord. After he had fed the people, Jesus made the disciples get into a boat and proceed him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. After doing so, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When it was evening, he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat, already a few miles offshore, was being tossed about by the waves, for the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, he came towards them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It is a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. At once, Jesus spoke to them, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter said to him in reply, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. Peter got out of the boat and began to walk on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw how strong the wind was, he became frightened and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught Peter and said to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? After they got into the boat, the wind died down. Those who were in the boat did him homage, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. As wonderful as that uh, reading is, and with all these layers of walking on water and Peter requesting permission to walk on water, which is just crazy. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna, not going to focus on that. I want to dig into the, the first reading from the Book of Kings. We're, we're deep in the Old Testament in a pe period of great decay of society and the, the, the Jewish religion, and at least in the practice of it. And there's one prophet out there, Elijah, who's the center of this story right now. And Elijah has just pulled off an amazing feat. He's just, but a couple, just before this, he summons these prophets of Baal and challenges them to a duel. and say, okay, you make your, your altar and with your bull and slay it there and I'll do mine. And, and whoever's God answers and calls it and brings fire down upon your offering, that's the real God. So the other, the other, the prophets of Baal, they're, they're whipping themselves and getting all worked up into a froth and nothing happens. Whereas when Elijah calls down a fire from God answers and burns. And so then he, then he slays all 400 of those, uh, those, those, those uh, prophets of Baal. Okay, so this, this, guy is, this guy doesn't mess around. He's a man of conviction and he, he cuts their throats with a sword down by the river and then the queen finds out. And she says, unless I um, let, let the same thing happen to me as what you did to them, if by tomorrow at this time, I haven't done so to you. That's the way the, the, the linguistics of it work. She's, she's going to kill him. Okay, so you would think the guy who just called fire down from heaven, the guy who just slayed 400, what, is he going to be afraid? Yes. <laughs> he runs. Okay, that doesn't make sense at least on its surface. 
unless you realize sometimes God gives us strength to do specific things, but we don't become Superman or Wonder Woman because of it. We go back to our normal state and have to contend with normal fears and dangers. And so it's almost as if God took his hand back so that Elijah could experience the, the, the danger and the fear. And so he runs and God uh, sends him, okay, go to this, this river down there and you're going to stay there and some crows are going to bring you some food. And eventually the water dries up there and he goes to another place. And finally, he, God sends, go down to Mount Horeb. And so this is, we're probably several hundred miles away. So he's clean out of danger for sure by this time. He's almost in Egypt. And this took place, this slaying took place up uh, uh, north of, of modern-day Jerusalem. And he goes to Mount Horeb. Now, Mount Horeb and Mount Sinai, if you go and do a, go, do a rabbit hole dive with uh, the best that the scholars have to offer, some say they're the same mountains. Some say, well, there's just, this is this peak and that peak, and they're right next, next to each other. And some say, well, we're not really sure exactly where it is. But it actually, in a certain sense, it doesn't matter. Because he is going to have an encounter with God, and he's climbing a mountain to get there. The mountain of mountains. This is Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb. This is where Moses went up to meet God to receive the Ten Commandments. And this is where God wants to speak to Elijah. That mountain is a mountain for all of us to be able to climb wherever we are. It doesn't matter exactly where it is. It's a mountain, and this is just a riff on some things from last week. It's a mountain that takes work. We got to climb up there. We have to separate ourselves out. And it's a mountain of prayer. And so what I would like you to do now as we continue on with this, 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 in, this dive, delving into this particular passage is place yourself now in a place, in an attitude, in an atmosphere of prayer. Like for real, like now. It's, we're in church, it's all right. And this is what God asks him to do. Take shelter in a cave. So it goes inside a cave. So in your mind's heart and your imagination, go inside a cave. What's it like in there? It's dark. But you're very protected. Very protected. There's solitude in there. Security. You're alone with yourself and God and no one else. We're in the depths of our own heart. That's the cave. And there, God asks him, Elijah, why are you here? His response in that moment is, because I'm zealous for you, Lord, and, and all of Israel has betrayed you and they've torn down your altars and I alone am the only one witnessing to you. That's his response. But what's yours? Why are you here? I mean, like literally, why are you here now? 
What are you seeking? What does your heart desire? What do you need? Our Lord wants to know, but he wants you to know what you're really seeking. Why are you here? He wants to answer those deep longings of your heart. Elijah just poured it all out. So I'm just, I'm doing everything I can. It doesn't seem to be making a difference. I killed 400 and, and now what, do I, what, what, what happens for that? Lord, your name is still disrespected. Then comes the wind, the earthquake, and the fire. Now, he's, he's inside the cave, but outside the cave, you see the, the wind, and it's, as it says here, the strong, heavy wind was render, rending the mountains and crushing rocks before the Lord. I visualize that. So you're in the protection of the cave, but outside, you see absolute devastation, something so withering that nothing would be able to survive. But the Lord was not in the wind. And then there's an earthquake, and everything is shook to its foundation. This is where the analogy breaks down. Because if you're in an earthquake, get out of the cave, all right? Because that's not a good place to be. You want to be outside. But hey, that's just a, it's an analogy. But it's shaking everything to its foundation. Have you, have you been in an earthquake before? Like if you spend a little time out in California, just wait about 15 minutes, and you'll experience one. It's, it's I mean, the small ones. That, that you feel, it's really unnerving the first time you just feel everything underneath, back and forth, and, back, and it, it, it really makes you realize what I am standing on is not sure. It's not safe. And then the fire, you can just imagine this, unfortunately with, with what the, um, very unintentionally, what just happened out in, in um, Hawaii, it's a horrible, tremendous, devastating thing. But where God wants you is in the cave where you're going to protect it. He's saying, step away from the wind, step away from the earthquake and be in here. Those things are real out there and you experience them and you live in them every day. And so each one of us has our own earthquakes and our fires and our winds that we experience. And our Lord wants you to step back from those and be in his presence on the mountain, in the depths of the cave in solitude with him. After these this destructive powers go by, Elijah hears a whispering of the wind. Another translation just says it, the sound of complete silence. You see, God doesn't make noise. He doesn't come thundering in to impose himself on us. He wants to encounter us. He wants to meet us. He wants to do it deep in the interior of your heart. At this moment, Elijah knows that God is there. And so this is now when he goes to the 
He doesn't step outside the cave. He goes to the entrance of the cave. So he's still there in the same place, but just where the place where all this now uh, being in the sheltered protection in the, the dark of the cave, so the light is opening up in front of him. How's that for a symbol of encounter with God? Stepping from the darkness into the light. In a certain sense, he's been on, been through trials of these things that just came beforehand out there, but he knew that that's not it. Just wait, just wait, just wait. And in the whisper, he steps out into the presence in front of the Lord at the mouth of the cave. And then now he does a curious thing. Elijah hid his face in a cloak. and went and stood at the entrance of the cave. Now, he's, he's covering himself. But in a certain sense, it's almost like he's trying to just put uh, some kind of a barrier. Okay, cloth isn't going to do you much good, but put some kind of a barrier between, some kind of a veil between him and the presence of God. Because it's just too much. That's what veils do. You can get closer, you can get... Uh, near, but, but at the same time, when something is so, and, and then you can put in a whole bunch of these different adjectives that, that we use to describe God, something not just so powerful, but so awesome and beautiful and holy. It's almost like it's too much. It's too good. I don't want to ruin it by just looking like staring baldly right at it. I, I can't do that. I, I, it, I, I'm not able to do that. And so I, I, I lower my head. I, I veil my face before the Lord. It's too holy. It's too precious. Fortunately, God does that, and I've talked about this in other occasions here. God does that for us. He veils himself. We talked about this just last Sunday. He veils himself from, from under, the speed, under the Eucharist, the bread, it's not his full-blown glory. Who would dare, dare approach the altar if that's the way he showed up? I know I wouldn't want to be there. It, it's, it would be just, it's too much. But he's dialing himself back. He's dialing himself down. And that's what Elijah is doing here. Just as a, a brief aside, it's, it's a, a beautiful thing when... Um, just this whole, like, what, what, what purpose do veils serve? They, they, they cover, they, they separate, yet at the same time allows a, a certain nearness to that at the same time. When a bride, like in the most traditional way, when a bride comes up the, the, uh, the center aisle, in the most traditional thing, she's got a veil over. And it's only the groom is the one that gets to pull it back because he's the only one that's earned the right to that level of intimacy with his bride. The same thing plays out with God in prayer. We grow closer in this intimacy with the Lord and the veil gets thinner and thinner. And in heaven, there is no veil. But now, after all this that Elijah's been through, God asks him again, Elijah, why are you here? What are you seeking? What do you desire? Our Lord wants us to put that into words to him. 
And that's what he invites you to do. But not the superficial things. The depth, the very core of who you are as a son or daughter of God, he wants to answer that desire. That desire for peace. That desire for healing. That desire for strength. Desire for reconciliation or forgiveness. That's what he wants to answer. And there's a lot of noise and fire and rock crushing that we need to clear out of the way just staying inside in that place there in the depths of the cave before we can finally come to the entrance with our faces veiled to respond to the Lord. Now, in this moment for Elijah, after this second time when God asked me, why are you, God asked him, why are you here? He, he responds the same way again, because I've been zealous for you, Lord, and they've torn down your altars, and I alone am the only one left. And now is the moment that finally God gives him direction as far as where to go and what to do. He says, okay, go to Damascus and anoint Aram, the king of Damascus, then go to this place and do this. Go find Elias, and he, you're going to anoint him a prophet after your own, so he's going to take up the, the mission that you've begun. And then everything begins to unfold. But he had to go through this whole process. He had to go right to the very core. He had to be run from uh, Jezebel, who was trying to kill him, and, and climb that mountain, enter in the cave, and now he's ready for his next mission, the next steps that he needs to take. All of this is an icon of what our Lord wants for your prayer. And so we need to find ways to be able to climb that mountain even on a daily basis. And that's why it's like such a good thing to do this, to pray first thing in the morning when we wake up, because normally our mind's a lot calmer. There isn't as much going on. And so it's a lot easier to get up the mountain, get into the, the interiority of our own heart and meet the Lord there. He wants that for all of you. That's not just like saint stuff. That's like everybody's stuff. And he wants to speak to you and he wants to answer these questions that maybe you don't, you're not even sure what these deep questions in your heart are, these desires. But there he's going to help you discover them and find them because he wants to answer them and fulfill them. And he's going to make that veil just a little thinner. And maybe if the timing's right, He'll also give you the instructions. Okay, now go do this. Now go do that. And, and you'll have the confidence in knowing that, yes, this is, this is right. Not just, well, I'm in the midst of, a, midst of an earthquake and I'm going to run for here. I'm going to do that. I'm going to find the fire extinguisher, put out the fire. We're, no, we're not in that mode of, of just reacting to the, the craziness of whatever, is, whatever storms are in our lives. Because we found the security and the peace and the quiet in the cave. So you need a spot maybe in your apartment, like a, like, a, like a place you reserve just for this. Some people have like a little, little like a, just a chair where they sit in the morning and they have a you know, crucifix there. Uh, some, it's it's a, uh, some beautiful spot as best you can make it. Or for, for some, it's, maybe it's walking out along the Hudson and they're able to find peace there and, and pray 
For others, it's in music. Headphones are great for praying. So spend some time this week practicing this. Spend some time with this passage right here, 1 Kings chapter 19. And remind yourself. And our Lord, he wants to give you this gift of this interiority, this presence with him. I, I think if, if more people did this, I think there'd be less of a market for transcendental meditation. Because we, there's, there's too many Catholics don't know how to pray like this. They've never really tried, never practiced. And so you find someone offering, here, this is what it's like to meditate. I mean, like just like normal, like the Buddhist kind of meditation. And, and it's really attractive because it's like, yeah, I need some of that. Well, we'll bring it into this context right here. And then now you're meeting God and not just meeting a quiet space for yourself. And you're speaking, relating to someone who wants to bless you. So there's good things from there, but bring it into the Christian context. So anyway, sorry, that was my mini rant for this morning. But we'll continue on with this, this Mass, asking our Lord for this grace of prayer, this grace to know what it is, these desires, these deep desires of our hearts, that he might answer them. In the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.